Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Hey guys, welcome. So glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Brennan, the teaching pastor. If this is your first time, you picked a good day to come check us out. We are on part three of a series we're calling Limited, Limited Time Offer. It's a series on parenting. I hope is that it's a good series for you, regardless of whether you're currently parenting or uh, have parented before and are currently out of that season, thankfully, or, or right in the middle of it. And uh, I, I think there's going to be some good takeaways and stuff that is just relevant for this. But we call it limited time offer because uh, of a dynamic at play that I think is critically important because this is a term that you and I hear all the time, right? I mean, you get emails all the time, today only, like limited time offer. And if you're like me, you've been so uh, dulled to the uh, pressures of it that you're like, it's not really. Because what happens, like, they'll say, like, limited time offer, offer expires Wednesday, and then Wednesday, you get an email, it's like, hey, great news, we've expended this a whole fortnight, you know, you get two more weeks uh, to figure this out, and so you're just like, you're out of it, you're like, it's not a, it's not a marketing tool that really works, until, what happens, you run into something where it actually was a limited time offer, like, price goes up Wednesday, and you're like, sure it does, right, and uh, it's like 15 bucks now, 20 bucks on Wednesday, and you go to buy it on Wednesday, and they're like, 20 bucks, and you're like, it was 15 yesterday, and they're like, yeah, limited time offer and you're like my dog had sudden cardiac arrest and I really wanted to buy this but you understand like and they're like sorry five extra bucks and then you're like I don't even know if I'm going to do this anymore it's it's a tough deal you wish in those moments you would have known that this limits time offer has teeth right you wish you wish you knew that um, because oftentimes we don't and so anyways uh, when it comes to parenting uh, the the premise is that you have a limited time offer to have a a significant level of influence in the life of your kids Uh, and this this offer has bites right this uh, this offer is like you get a one, one-time chance. There, uh, as as much as life offers us a rearview mirror to see what happened and how we could have done things different, there is no rewind button uh, to be able to go over and, and go back and do it again. Uh, and so that's that's hopefully an incentive towards us to be good stewards of the opportunity that we have. Or if we're not in that season, perhaps it's a good way of looking at what our parents did with their limits of time offer when it comes to working with us. Because odds are you had a parent growing up, and and how how did they use their limits of time offer, and how they they did well with that can shape a lot of who you are and where they struggled with that kind of perhaps explain some things of, you know, why I, I, I'm kind of the way that I am or broken in this way and still struggling through this or have this kind of baggage with me. And so wherever, whatever perspective it is that you're coming at this from, I, I hope it will be helpful um, to you. We said at the beginning of the series, we're three parts into this, you're coming midway through a conversation if you haven't been a part of it before, but we said that there's, you know, trying to define what is your win when it comes to parenting. What is the end goal? If you've ever played a game and, and been taught a, a new board game, one of the questions you should always ask in the beginning is what's the end goal? What are we trying to do? How do I win? Uh, and then more importantly, when is this over? When do we know it's over, right? That's always an important thing. Um, and uh, so when it comes to parenting, is the goal survival? Is it goal 18, get them 18, get them a job, employable, um, functioning members of society? Uh, what, what are we going for with all of that? And all of those things are good. And we said that there's four different kind of angles at the beginning of the series that like you could take, four paths that you could kind of go down. And, and sometimes there's crossover on, on some of these, but uh, oftentimes um, you parent towards compliance, right? We, we, we say, well, as long as you live under this house, 
you will do things this way. And, and the goal is to make them compliant to you because someday they're going to have to work for somebody and you want them to keep a job, get a job and keep a job. So therefore, learn to be uh, compliant to some of the rules and the expectations of society and, and whatever else. And so, and when they're really young, compliance is a big deal, right? Don't touch that. Don't run in the street. Don't do this. Don't do this. And so you're trying to shape them into this. And then as it gets older, maybe less and less so compliance uh, uh, and, or at least they listen to you less. Maybe that's part of what it is. Uh, competence, you can uh, parent them towards competence. I want my kids to understand something. Uh, achievement, I want them to go to the same school that I did. I want them to get a four-year degree. I want them to get a job that's this and whatever. Uh, and then the last thing is relational and this idea of what, what if parenting was towards relationship? What if, what if the goal was I am going to do this, I'm, I'm going to do all of this, this parenting thing with a long-term relationship in mind. And, and, and I, I came across somebody whose who's goal in parenting uh, was, was simply kids who enjoy being with us and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. And that, that's, that's their thing. But I thought it was uh, insightful and helpful and um, reflect a little bit about what I value in terms of my upbringing and my family life. Um, so there's a little bit of that in there. I know that that might be a privileged sort of thing. I came from a two-parent home and, and with good parents and all that kind of stuff. So, But I, I do think it's a good incentive. I think it's something um, that we can target and, and shoot towards. I think it's worthy of our time or worthy of attention to raise kids who enjoy being with us and with their siblings, even when they no longer have to be. That's better than they follow all the rules. And while they were under this house, they knew all the rules and followed them. Like, that's just a weird one, right? Um, and uh, so anyways, it's a little bit more filling. Uh, we said, if this is true, and then therefore relationship is the end goal, then there's an impact or implication on a couple of different areas of specific focus. Uh, and uh, I mentioned at the beginning that this series is going to be intensely practical and pragmatic intentionally. We just came out of a series that was deep theological, philosophical words and verses and all kinds of cool stuff. This one is like a little bit more hands-on, like here's here's what you can do with it. Hopefully it doesn't take much for me to kind of push you towards what do I do with any of this. We said, if this is going to be true, then it's going to affect the way that you leverage discipline in your home, right? And, and how you kind of offer correction and instruction to your kids. Um, today, we're going to be talking about our words, that if the, if, if the long-term goal is relationship with kids, then the words that you say and, and the tone in which you say them and the frequency in which you say them uh, is relevant. And then next week, we'll finish this off and do the whole communion close of the series uh, with the idea of if this is true, then spiritual formation might look like this. Uh, and my wife's going to join me for that last one as we do it, but which is going to be awesome. So in our theme verse, if, if, we, if we had one for the series, it comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verse three through five. And here's where it says, behold, children are a gift to the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Those two lines, if you were circling them in your Bible, is gift and reward. Those two things are linked. Those are like positive things. Those are sometimes hard to remember at 4 a.m. when they're crying. At, when, when it's 4 a.m. and you get a call from the police department that says, you need, are you the parent of so-and-so? And you're like, okay, here we go. They're a gift. This is a reward. They are a gift. It's like a, a mantra that you almost have to tell yourself sometimes just to get through uh, the day on this. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the child or children of one's youth. Blessed or lucky is the man uh, whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies uh, in the gate. So that's, that's a, an important thing. So 
Um, if, if they're a ward and if they're a gift, and, and I got to keep remembering that, even though the days are long, I know that the years are short. I know that I blink and they're walking. I blink and they're driving. I blink and they're gone or whatever. I, I want to be a good steward of this opportunity. Um, I think that is incredibly relevant and, and th- thinking through the idea of what, it, what does it mean when it comes to our words. Now, here's why words are so critically important. Um, from, a, from a biblical standpoint, uh, words for the Jewish people in the Israelite sort of way, because there's tons of passages in uh, the Bible about words, not specifically parents say nice things to your kids, uh, but just in, in words in general, uh, they are, are there, if your faith is going to be a part of your life, that there's going to be some sort of an integration with what I believe and the way in which I use words. Words were powerful sort of um, things that uh, when, when the creation story is talked through in Genesis chapter 2 uh, and Genesis chapter 1, that God speaks things into existence, that it's his, it's almost as if the picture is his words proceed out of his mouth and begin to do the work of, of the creative process. Uh, Parents in Jewish homes would lay their hands on their kids and do a prayer of blessing. And in one of the stories, one of the kids fakes it and and gets blessed by his parents. And they're like, well, why can't you give me a blessing? And, And it doesn't make sense for us. We're like, just say the same prayer and just change the pronoun out. You know what I mean? Instead of, uh, this, instead of Esau, it's, or instead of Jacob, it's Esau. But in that scenario, they, they, they go, oh, I'm so sorry. The blessing's already been given out. The, sto- the story hinges on this idea of, like we would just say, why not just say it again? But for them, the words go out and proceed out of the mouth of the parents and then begin to do the work in the lives of their children. That's, they, they have like this huge weight to their words, that their words actually do the work of the thing that they are spoken on, which, which means when in the book of Proverbs, it says your tongue has the power of life and death. It literally means what you say and how you say it either builds things up or tears things down. So therefore choose wisely, use your tongue with wisdom, walk wisely in the way that you say words. So, so you know, obviously this would become even far more relevant in the in the in our home life in our ability to talk with our kids and and lead well as parents uh, with our with our words, uh, you've heard the phrase "actions uh, speak louder than words." And when sizing up someone's character, it's oftentimes true. Don't focus on what they say; watch what they do, um, and then you'll kind of know. But because of the proximity that our children have in watching us and being. Uh, in the same home with us and drinking from the same milk carton as us. When it comes to parenting, I don't know that that action speaks louder than words, things hold up. There's something about the parent-child relationship where words are abnormally loud, right? They, that they are, they are louder than most and they are most, more notably absent as well. You've never heard somebody say my whole high school career, I never heard my lab partner say they love me or were proud of me. Nobody's ever said that to you, right? What do they say instead? I spent how many years in, in, at home and, and my dad or my mom, I never heard them say, I love you or I'm proud of you or they never came to my games, they never did this. Um, and, and, it's, and, and a lot of times it's not even like their physical presence, but again, I never heard them say, I never heard them do this. You don't have, if you came up to me, I've, I've never had anybody come up to me. Like, you know what my neighbors never said to me? And I'd be like, I don't know so many things. Like, I don't know. I don't even know my neighbors, right? So, uh, but the, the, here's what happens. Uh, oftentimes, um, a struggle, a weight, there'll be some sort of, um, some sort of an explosion or some sort of a thing or some sort of a baggage thing. And you're digging down deep and you're like, 
there's something there. There's an exterior thing going on. I'm mad and I'm frustrated, but digging down deeper, like what's the root cause and what's the issue? And a lot of times it's this idea of, man, my dad never once told me. And I could have put mom there, but uh, honestly, dads, um, there, there's something about, and this is not to like pride up, the, you know, misogynistically, like this guys are special, more special or whatever. I'm just telling you that there's something about a dad's words. It's not fair. And, and them's the breaks, bud. Sorry, I don't make the rules. Just trying to play on them or play by them. Uh, but there's something about the words uh, of a parent and uh, even, especially, and this might be like an emotional experience for you. Even just reading this on a screen, you're like, oh boy, I wasn't planning on this today. I, I, I get it. I understand understand um, how that is. So as a result, if we are to take our faith seriously, and what we do on a weekly basis here is we're trying to be a community people who gather together, who take an hour out of our week, our busy week, because you got busy schedules, and try and look at the way of Jesus and what it might look like to implement in that in my life, that he taught a good way of doing life and uh, has this authority that we believe comes with that, which is a a source thing for us, which means it's worth taking seriously. Uh, And if that's all true, then what he has to say about words and how that impacts our faith and how it impacts the way that we parent is important. So then that leads to the question for us, why do we need to get this right? Why do we need, what's the imperative? What's the priority? Like, is this a take it if you want to do it, you know, take it or leave it? Um, uh, or, or, or is there more weight to this? And it's not so that our kids think more highly of us than we actually are. Again, that only works for people who don't live with us. Uh, it goes beyond building and protecting their self and, uh, self-esteem. As important as that is, I, I want you to speak highly of your kids so that they have a positive self-esteem and, and can achieve what they want to in the world. And that's, that's fine and that's all good and, and, and great. But the biggest reason for me, and I I think what we'll we'll see represented in stories of scripture as well as uh, imperatives in scripture is this idea of of, of influence. That you as a parent should never uh, give up influence with your kids unnecessarily. And the harsh reality is that once your kids hit about double digits, you're down to influence, bribes, and threats. That's what you have. And two of those are not great for long-term relational thing, right? In the management world, it's carrots and sticks. You're trying to either bribe them towards you know, that or threats of sticks. You take that as you want it. But if you're it, if your goal, if you're long-term, what are we doing this for? Includes a healthy adult relationship with your kids. Then the sooner that you dispense with bribes and threats, the better, right? That's not a great way to parent long-term. It doesn't translate as well when they're 17, 18 years old or whatever. And even beyond that, Far better would be they listened to me or I had, or, or they, um, the words that I spoke with them or the way that our relationship was based on was based on influence. And influence is directly related to respect. We naturally resist the influence of, of those from whom we have little or no respect, even when we suspect that they might be right. So it's not, listen, it's not enough to have the right thing to say to your kids. I told them when they were, I told them, how many times did I tell them? Yeah, but they don't, they don't respect you enough for you to have influence in their life. Um, that they, 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 they might later on go, mom and dad were right, but man, I just didn't want to listen to them at that time. Because why? Because you unnecessarily gave up influence in their life. And the way that you create and maintain influence is through words, and especially in the parent-child relationship, how you choose to leverage your words. So 
Uh, we're gonna talk practically. I wanna give you a couple of uh, things to kind of take away um, to think about dynamics uh, that determine how they process what they hear because you and I both know what we say isn't always what's communicated. Um, that I said this, you heard this, you did this instead. When I say, why are you doing that? Um, I told you this and you're like, they never, you never said. And you're like, I, where's the tape? Do we have a tape? Can we play this back? I've told you this so many times in this way, but it's important to remember that every time we speak to our children, there are a couple of dynamics at play that determine uh, the process in which they hear us. And so if, if you, if you could take this, and by the way, this is, this is practical stuff, even if like the whole Jesus thing and faith thing is still kind of figured out for you or figuring it out for you. Uh, I think this stuff is helpful regardless of that. Um, so you get to kind of pick and choose what you want to do based on you know, what your value system is. But I think when it comes to those of us who identify as Christian and are trying to discover to live in the way of Jesus, I think these things are imperative. And I think these things are part and parcel of, of, of what comes with the whole thing. So uh, number one, if you're taking notes uh, or writing these things down, and by the way, this is all going to be, anything that's on the screen is on the notes tab in our app if you want to download that and do that, whatever. But anyways, number one is simply this. If you could pause and remember this before your tough conversations with your kids, before you leverage words positively or negatively, it would help you so greatly that your words and our words are not equally weighted. My words are not equally weighted meaning I can say some things over here, think that I've spoken it enough, and then I say one thing over here and it offsets entirely what I've said over here. You know it probably best in the dynamic or in the arena of, um, uh, of uh, uh, the idea of uh, annual reviews. That's what I was looking for. Uh, the idea of sitting down across from somebody and be like, you've been here six months, you've been here for a year. Let's talk about what you're good at and what you're not good at. Uh, based on what I've seen, here's the pros. You know, as a manager, uh, that there, there are like a certain balance in which you can't just come out firing, right? You got to kind of think through some things and work around with people. Management studies show that you need somewhere between five to nine positive comments to counterbalance one negative comment. And that probably is depending on which side of the table that you're sitting on. If you're the one receiving things, uh, you're probably like, I'm going to need nine. If you're on the management side, you're like, I've said five good things. That's probably good. I can now really talk about what I'm here for, that kind of thing, right? And my guess is that number goes up when it comes to marriage. And I'm just speaking from personal experience on that. I think it's more than nine positive affirmations to one negative one. I don't know what that number is. It's somewhere between nine affirmations and three couch sleeps. So somewhere in there is where you have to kind of land in terms of how I balance these things out. But what you need to remember when it comes to leveraging harsh words with your kids is that harsh words linger longer than you think that they should. They just do. And odds are, you and I will slip up from time to time and wound the people that we love the most. And so far, I've only discovered one way to successfully avoid doing this. And it's fail safe, but there are a few side effects. And here's what it is. Die early. Here's, here's the only way I know to avoid using your words harshly and inappropriately and making that a tough deal is to completely be out of the scene. Now, I don't recommend it. Uh, and the rest of us, as we kind of leverage some of this afterwards, we're like, okay, I got to do this. I got to figure this out. The rest we can hope for is counterbalancing accidental and occasional killer words with intentional life-giving words, which is why an imperative, a to-do list, a check the box, I need to make this right. I need to do this correctly. I'm a parent. I want to be a good parent. I want to make sure that this is right. Negative words in your home need to be the exception, not the rule. Negative words need to be the exception, not the rule. And here's why. 
Words are not equally weighted. Negative words weigh too much. And there's some of you and us and me at times too, or we're sitting there, arms crossed, and we're like, yeah, well, my kids need to hear the truth. So, you know, this is, I'm just telling them what they need to hear. And I'm not saying that that's, that's not always true. Negative words are essential at times. People who can't bring themselves to deliver bad news aren't much better than parents who are all bad news, right? Um, our children need lots of positives because those positives, though, equip them to endure, to properly assimilate, and to learn from the negatives. It's not enough to tell your children what they need to hear. You have to be able to prepare them to hear it. And if, 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 the, if, the, if you think it's balanced and if you think I'm, I'm you know, five positive words and one or whatever, and that should be enough, just because you think it's enough doesn't mean that it's enough. And it's not babying them. Uh, and I talked to somebody in the lobby after first service. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, you're babying them. I'm like, and he said it with a grin on his face because I know him. And, and, and I'm like, I, we, and he and I both know. It's, it's, not about, it's not about, oh, people are, our kids are too soft or whatever in this generation. It's about understanding that if we don't counterbalance this and if we do not respect the ratio between the positive things that we say, if they do not believe that we actually genuinely do love them and want what's best for them, then we offer, when we offer our instruction, we offer our correction, we offer our, our negative kind of side things, they're not gonna really believe and assimilate it. They're gonna judge us based on, uh, based on their feelings about uh, them reacting to our, our negativity or the fact that, they, that we, we're not approving of them in this moment or something like that. They just don't, they don't integrate this well. You've got to learn and we've got to learn as parents to respect the ratio that our words are not balanced, that words, some words weigh heavier than others. And this is especially true if you're the one in the relationship that often takes the role of the bad cop, whether it's a two-parent home and, and dad lets them get away with anything and you've got to be the bad cop or it's a, uh, a, a one-parent home and they split in time and whenever they go over there, she lets them do anything that they want, but you got to be the one that's setting down the rules. It's really hard. I, I, I get it. And, and it feels like, how do I respect the ratio when I'm the only one setting the ratio and it's really, really difficult in that way? I, I, man, I understand. My only comment would be just make sure that their tank is full, like overdo it then on the positive words. And then you can be like, well, sometimes too much of a good thing is just too much. I know, but you know what? Nobody's ever complained of. I think the problems that I have growing up and the baggage that I have is my parents are too positive with me. I've, I, listen, I've done so many counseling sessions that's never come up once. I, 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 honestly, I, it'd be fun. It'd be a great conversation to have. Um, and um, I, I feel like um, that's worth failing towards and trying and seeing if that, if it, if, if maybe it works out and, and whatever, but I, I think someone would love for you to try and, and make that too positive sort of thing. So anyways, number two, all right. So our words don't weigh the same. I think I get behind that, right? I can, I can, I can learn to respect the ratio. I can learn to be like, all right, I'm, before I offer this negative, I need to make sure that they are secure in the fact that I, I do love them and want what's best for them. Number two is this, that source determines weight. Source determines weight, meaning where something comes from often has a big influence on how much it impacts what it means to that person. That two people can say the same thing to somebody based on how much you respect them and how much influence they have over you, it can make a difference. Practical example, not every week, but definitely this week. My wife, Kylie, will come out in the morning wearing one outfit and then come back five minutes later wearing something completely different 
right? It happened this week, I promise. Our mornings right now, she goes on a little bit earlier than I do. I wait for the kids to get on the bus. She has to be, at, she's doing a sub thing. And so she, she came out this week and I'm in the kitchen doing coffee and, and breakfast for the kids. And she comes out in this green dress shirt thing that she had. And then five minutes later, she comes out wearing something completely different. And I look at her and I said, are you trying to gaslight me to make me think that I'm deja vu and I'm going crazy here? Like, what is going on here? And, and, and I, I said, I noticed that you, you did this and, 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 and I don't know, maybe this is normal for people. Do you guys do? I don't, I don't do this. This happens, I do this twice a year. Twice a year, one time I'll come out in shorts and flip-flops and I look outside and I'm like, ah, it's not short and flip-flops weather anymore. I go back and I change, that's it. That's my one time a year I do it. And obviously it hasn't even happened yet. It's getting close. I got the sleeves on, but still rocking the shorts and flip-flops, right? Maybe this week though, who knows? And then in the springtime, I'll come out with like pants and a sweatshirt on and be like, nope, it's a shorts day. And then that's it. And I change. This happens here. And the only thing I can figure out is the common uh, factor in which she tends to do this is when she's trying on something new right? Something that she just bought. And so she comes out and she'd be like, does this like, does this vest look good on me? Are these shoulders too, like whatever? Uh, and I'll be like, no, no, no. And I give the only appropriate answer, which is, it's fine. It's great. Thesaurus words for fine and great, whatever you want to do, right? Uh, and then she'll come back a, a little bit later and, and where the other thing, and I'll be like, why did you change? I told you you looked fine, great. Thesaurus words for fine and great. And she'll say, well, you know, London, our 15-year-old, said it made me look fill-in-the-blank, which is things not associated with fine, great, and thesaurus words for fine and great. And so I'll be like, well, why did you ask me then? And she's like, well, you know, I, I am interested in your opinion, but your fashion advice and opinion doesn't weigh as heavily as London's. And that's fair. I, I totally understand that. Some people's words weigh more than others. Kylie has to remind me of this when it comes to our kids in the way that I say things, your words have weight. Well, that's what I choose to hear. She says something to me about weight. I don't know what it is. I think it's words have, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, she says, your words have, just remember that what you say has an impact. It means more to them than anything anybody else says. And, and she knows this too. And she'll say, even, uh, even with her, it's, it, it's not fair. Dads, we have what's called an unfair advantage, like being six foot tall in the fifth grade and playing basketball. It's not fair. It's not, you're not on the team because you're good. You're on the team because you're six foot tall, right? Uh, it's like being left-handed and playing baseball. You're that much closer to first base. That's an unfair advantage or playing against Russell Wilson in football. That is an unfair advantage. That's, yeah, sorry. That's a little dig. That's good. <laughs> It's fine. You can laugh. Everybody, first service laughed at that. You guys were like, oh, oh gosh. Oh man. I don't know about this. Listen, it's a disturbingly inequitable, but mostly true reality that if a mom's words weigh 50 pounds, for whatever reason, a dad's words weigh more. And it's not how it should work. Our mom's words should weigh more. They risked far more to get us safely in this world, right? I was asleep on the hospital couch for like half of it. And it was uncomfortable, I'll give you that. I mean, that for sure. So I feel like I suffered too, a little bit, um, but not nearly as much. Her words should weigh more, but I'm just, practically speaking, they don't. And maybe it's because their tank is so far full because moms are, are, are good at the, you know, film, making sure these things are, are thing and dads are, are, are less so. I don't know, this isn't news, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth a reminder. This is why then as a parent, and especially dads, listen, and this one, it's hard. I read about this a while back and I wrote it down and I've tried to implement it. 
and I'm not good at it. And again, I mentioned at the very beginning of the series, you shouldn't listen to this series because I'm naturally a good parent. I have to work hard at it. I think I am a good parent, but it doesn't come naturally. And so this is one of those things uh, that would fall into that category. Um, because your words weigh so heavily in the lives of your kids and you're, because your, your tongue has the power of life or death, if that proverb is true, um, then therefore your home should be a sarcasm-free zone. Now, my life is not a sarcasm-free life, okay? I live and breathe sarcasm. If you are on a text string with me, when it comes to fantasy football, it is, everything's fair game there, man. You can say any, I can say, you can say anything you want. I can say anything you want in return. And when it comes to our kids, I have to remember that that doesn't work. Like Kylie will be like, there are kids, you can't say that, right? You have to like knock it off. So this week, um, <laughs> this week, our, we have a, we have a 10 year old daughter. She's so sweet. She's like, ultimate introvert, takes a book wherever she goes. She'd be like, I'm going to the fair. She's carrying a book around with her. It's so, so, so weird. I love it. And she is in fifth grade. So she, this is her last year at elementary school. Next year, she gets to go to middle school. And all the unknown, remember at that age, all the unknowns about what to expect at middle school and then the same transition to high school. And it's always tough that, that first entry year, right? So we're at, uh, we are at a high school this week. My, my daughter's oldest daughter's playing some volleyball and London asked, uh, sorry, Jovi asked, is this the high school I'm going to go to no no no. you're going to she wanted your zone or a different zone or whatever and she's like oh okay and then kylie goes are you excited about middle school next year going to mclaughlin and doing all this kind of stuff and she's like yeah and then she pauses and she has she's with a straight face she tells kylie i just hope that their playground is as big as the one that i currently have yeah i know and we were like are, are you gonna tell her am i gonna tell her <laughs> whose role is to be like i hate to break this to you girl they ain't no playground at McLaughlin. Like, you don't do that kind of stuff there. And everything within me wanted to leverage that as a joke and, you know, sarcasm and, and play that up. And listen, if she wasn't my daughter and it, this was a friend of mine who made some stupid comment like that, I, I would change their name in my phone to Playground Boy or something like that. You know what I mean? I, I would, which that would be probably illegal. I shouldn't do that. That's the, I would change it to something else, something different. I, but it would be, it would be so harsh that the, 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 the pressure of, of that, I would like never let that person live that down. And I can't do that when it comes to her. I can't laugh at her expense. I couldn't, and, and that, that's it, man. I mean, don't do anything to make your, to, even if it's funny, they don't understand. They don't understand that humor. They might laugh and, and think of that, but it, it really does genuinely hurt. Even when they say it, it won't doesn't hurt. Dad, it's okay or whatever. You cannot. I said at the beginning of the series, you cannot talk to your kids the same way you talk to everybody else. They get a different version of you. They get a version of you that um, is different. Now, maybe when they're adult kids and they're, uh, me and my dad leverage uh, sarcasm all the time because now I just don't believe him and whatever. But. Um, there is a, a window of opportunity, a long, uh, and it's a longer window than probably you're comfortable with, where sarcasm just doesn't work, because they they can't they don't have the capacity to understand and categorize it properly, and so it's about choosing wisely in this moment what is it that I need to say or what is it that I not need I need to avoid saying, and and, and it's not enough to be like it's just funny I'm just having you know we're just having fun I'm just busting your chops over something or whatever. Um, your kids look to you for so much validation in life. Your words mean so much more to them, which is why you cannot be harsh, which is why you must respect the ratio 
which, was, which is why it's not worth the little bit of humor that you get out of it to do it at their expense. I know, I know it's, it's really tough and someday it'll be great. But in this window of time specifically, if they're still in your home, it's just not worth it to do it. Uh, in the space that between you and your kids, your words gain weight and velocity and they leave marks. So wield your words wisely. And finally, the last one, a little takeaway, last pragmatic handle, what do I do with it this week is this, intent is irrelevant, intent is irrelevant. There is no correlation between intention and outcome. Hurtful words hurt regardless of intent. That it doesn't matter when you, afterwards you say, ah, it's not what I meant, you heard something different. Uh, it's just a little fun, it's just whatever. I was just trying to be funny, didn't come out right, didn't intend to hurt your feelings, didn't matter, doesn't matter what you intended to do, it's what you did, right? And th- this can play itself out when, you know, you walk into the garage and something's broken, you're like, your son's like, I didn't mean to, and you're like, yeah, but that's expensive. Like, even in those moments, you're not like, oh, good, it's glad, I'm so glad that your intention was not to hurt anything. Um, you, what do you say? That costs money, what are you doing, man? Like, you know better or whatever. Like, you know in those moments on that side of things that intention is irrelevant when it comes to the fact of of how you leverage words uh, with your kids and how you... you explode and, and you, you say things you don't mean and you raise your voice and you know you shouldn't and you, you say, I didn't really mean that. I didn't, and they're hurt by it. And you're going, why are you hurt? It was just a little thing. It was just a little accident. I didn't mean to do anything. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It really doesn't, un- unfortunately. Uh, for them, and, and, and because of their unique position, it might not matter in so many other arenas of life. And you might just be joking over there, but when it comes to this one specifically, You just can't afford yourself the option to do that. Intent is irrelevant. Unintentional words still leave a mark and they still require a recovery time. And so you and I must at some point when things happen, because again, unless you die early, this is gonna happen. What do you do? You You humble yourself up. You go down to their room. You knock on their door and you say, listen, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I shouldn't, I, don't say I didn't mean to do that. I, 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 I'm so sorry. And that's hurtful and I recognize what I did. And then you just leave it. And I know oftentimes for me, I'm like, do you forgive me? Right? And they'll be like, yes. Or then they've learned to like, just be quiet. And I'll be like, hey, do you forgive me? Hey, you have to forgive me. That's a Jesus thing. You have to say yes. And, I, and, and I'm forcing them into this. I'm like asking, forgiveness is a gift and I'm asking them for a gift. Hey, I need, I need you to give this to me. I need to feel better. I need to go back upstairs and tell your mom that they forgave that you forgave me. Is that gonna be a problem? Can you just say yes? Can you just nod? Can you blink twice if this is okay? <laughs> Listen, forgiveness is a gift. It comes when they want it to come. They, eventually, I think that they will. And uh, you know, to force it doesn't make a lot of sense in there. And um, it's okay to, to, to just stop and go, you know what, I messed up. I'm so sorry. I recognize that my, the weight of my words is, is too great and I forgot that and I did not respect the ratio and I do have words of instruction and importance that I think you need to hear, but I wanna make sure that you're prepared to do that and I want you to know that, uh, that I love you dearly and that, um, that even when I, when I offer correction, it's not because I'm disappointed in you, um, 
it's, it's because I want something great for you. And I want them to believe that from you. And I want them to believe that from me, right, when I do it too. So um, if we're going to get to that, if we're going to have that kind of influence in the life of our kids, um, actions are going to play a part in it for sure and how we actually live this out. But man, words are such a big deal. Words are such a big deal. We can't afford to screw this up. Can't afford to miss this. If we want to take and an, an fully leverage a limited time offer when it comes to stewarding well the role of parenting, then how you use and leverage words needs to be a top priority. So this week, this is your homework. This is your big challenge. Try it. Think about it. Respect the ratio. Look at the, look at the terms in, in which I use. Look at the place in which I do it. Own up when, I've, when I know that I've, I've wielded words. Uh, words that, mean, that weigh five pounds in a text message string with friends weigh 500 pounds to my kids. And I forgot that and I'm so sorry. And I don't want to unnecessarily lose influence because I'm not interested in bribes or threats. Those don't work long-term and they're not great when it comes to us seeking something that goes beyond this. So may that be characteristic of our relationships in our family this week. May that be characteristic of, of you in all other relationships as well. I think there's bearing weight in this. Perhaps it has to do with uh, a conversation that you've had with your parents a long time ago and it's been awkward for a while and, and forgiveness needs to come through and, and even some of that helps, helps out with that. Uh, or just on a personal level, maybe it's I, I, I need to process this through myself or my marriage or something like that. Uh, words have so many different arenas in which we can apply this, but may you have wisdom to be able to navigate that yourself. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is this week, you would help us. Uh, as we figure this thing out, because we've all been on the receiving end of hurtful words. And as kids, perhaps when our parents and somebody that we respected and with massive influence said something to us, we remember when our world slowed down. Like we remember what they said to us, remember how they said it. We remember where we were. We remember what they were wearing, what their face looked like. And it impacted us for a, a long time. And in that moment, um, depending on what kind of influence they had and what kind of respect we had for them, uh, perhaps it changed the dynamic of the relationship and, and caused some walls or some barriers to go up and it's still something that we're processing through. So I pray that we as parents would be strategic about our limited time offer and leverage this uh, according to the sacredness of words that we see reflected throughout scripture, that the tongue has the power of life and death and that this week you would help us, give us wisdom to choose life. Gives the courage to do something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri Cities in your favorite app store.